Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, everybody. Ooh, it's getting better. Good afternoon, everybody. Oh, that's better. So how much money do you need to have enough? What did you reckon? A little bit more. Yeah, okay, a little bit more than you've got. Yeah, somebody said that on our table, yeah. Anybody else have any ideas? 50,000 a month. Aim high, Simon. Aim high. I presume that's pounds and not like Colombian pesetas. Um, yeah? Infla- something inflation-linked. Yeah, right. Anything else? Any other ideas? Pay the mortgage. Yeah, yeah, especially with the interest rates going the way they are. Hmm? Enough at the end of every month. Enough at the end of every month. Yeah, that's what somebody else said. I don't want to go into red at the end of the month. Yeah. Well, I'm going to talk to you today about the man who had enough, or did he? And um, we're looking at Luke chapter 12. We're looking at things Jesus said, parables he told. And this is one of the parables he told, and it's in Luke chapter 12. So... And verse 13. Someone out of the crowd said, Teacher, order my brother to give me a fair share of the family inheritance. He replied, Mister, what makes you think it's any of my business to be a judge or mediator for you? Speaking to the people, he went on, Take care. Protect yourself against the least bit of greed. Life's not defined by what you have even when you have a lot. Then he told them this story. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. Then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll gather in all my grain and goods and I'll say to myself, self, you've done well. You've got it made. And now you can retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. Pensioner's dream, isn't it? You know, no work, as much money as you want. But just then God showed up and said, Fool, tonight you die. Your barn full of goods. (coughs) Who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. So Jesus was talking about greed. And you might say to well, I can't be greedy because I haven't got any money. Well, it doesn't quite work like that. Ask yourself this question. Next slide. How much time do you spend thinking about money? Just ask you, reflect on it. And you know, when the time of my life, when I spent thinking, I spent most time thinking about money was when I didn't have any. Well, actually, it was when uh, we made some unwise decisions and I went into red and then the bank told me, uh, wrote me a letter to say that I couldn't issue any more checks. This is pre-electronic era. 
And all I was, all I could think about every day was how to get out of the red, how to pay off the debts. How was I going to do that? You know, it was on my mind constantly. So thinking about money and greed isn't just for people who are rich. It's for every one of us. Certainly, rich people think about money a lot. I had an uncle who was the most generous man you could meet. He went out for an evening. He was always the first one to stand up. First rounds on me, life and soul of the party. And he inherited quite a large sum of money when his father died. He changed overnight from being generous and outgoing. Suddenly, that money just seemed to get to him. And every time we went to his house, he had the newspaper out. This is pre-electronic era. He had the newspaper out. He was looking how his stocks and shares were doing. Had they gone up? Had they gone down? Was his money safe? And uh, when we went out, instead of being the first one to come forward, say, yeah, this round's on me. He was skulking at the back, hoping nobody would notice and somebody else would pay. He just... Money, greed, consumed him and changed his personality. And he was terrified that he might retire and not have enough money for retirement, though he got plenty. And sadly, he died when he was 61 of a heart attack, so he never had any retirement. Bit like the, uh, bit like the man in this story, really, isn't it? And that's a true story. So... Is it a problem to have money? Is it a problem not to have money? Well, there's a very interesting verse, next one, in the Bible that says this. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. There is no ideal amount of money for a Christian to have. The man we follow... Jesus had only the clothes that he wore when he died. We read as he was being crucified, the soldiers divided up his clothes. No money whatsoever. And yet, on the other hand, the father of all the faithful, Abraham, was so rich that he could have a private army that was big enough to defeat five kings. That's some money, isn't it? So you've got both of those examples of richness and poverty. There is no ideal amount of money for a, a, a Christian to have because it depends on our heart attitude. Next slide. This is an interesting verse. Ecclesiastes is an interesting book. You probably don't read it very often, but there's a load of good stuff in there. It says, whoever loves money never has enough. Do you know people who love money and never have enough? Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. And this too is meaningless. Now let me ask you a question. Who here is sometimes greedy? Right, we've got about 10 to 12 honest people. Good. Who here knows somebody who's greedy? Yes, virtually every hand up. Interesting, isn't it? <laughs> we, it's so much easier to see other people's faults, isn't it? You know, than our own. This is actually 
as an aside, why it's actually very good to be married. Because you have a constant person who's with you who can see your faults more than you can. Uh, it took me a while to realise that actually in our marriage that Liz could see things that I couldn't see. Um, and it's actually been quite helpful once I did realise that. So if you're not married, it's really good to have a good friend who can tell you honestly about yourself. Um, so, yeah, let's look. Oh, yeah, next slide. I forgot that. So there we are. That's... <laughs> That's the person who's greedy. We all, yes, we all know those people who are greedy, but we, um, we're, we're not so keen to own up that we're greedy ourselves. Um, greed, what is greed? I think it's simply wanting more. A bit like, you know, the Oliver Twist, Oliver Twist thing, you know, where he goes up, please give me some more. It's wanting more. But there's an interesting verse in the Bible, next one. It says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And this includes greed, which is idolatry. Hmm. Now you might say, well, what's greed got to do with idolatry? Well, people who worshipped idols basically were going to the idol for the idol to do for them something that they wanted. They wanted more money, or they wanted a better job, or they wanted a child, or they wanted... Whatever they wanted, they go to the idol, offer a sacrifice to it and hope that they'll get back from the idol. Of course, it's, it's a hopeless case. They don't. But they still keep going. And the idol makes no moral demands on the person. And we, I think we've got to be a bit careful that we don't treat God like that. That, you know, we go to God. Right, God, this is what I need. Here's my shopping list, you know. Um, you know that... Um, Song, Santa Baby, you know. Santa Baby, bring me a, what is it, a, what car is it he wants him to bring? I can't remember now. But, uh, you know, we, we like make our list to God. Here's what I'd like, you know, I'd like this, I'd like that, I'd like the other, you know. And, and then we go, right, God, it's all, in your, it's, all, it's all in your court now, God. And then God is like an idol, really, isn't he? Just like those idols, we just come in before God like those idol worshippers did. Wanting more. And in case you think, well, what's idol worship got to do with me? Well, I suspect the modern equivalent is superstition. I was reading about a, a particular footballer who, before every game, he ties his laces in a certain way and he puts his kit on in a certain order because once when he did that, he scored a hat-trick. So ever after, he's got to do that, you know, that's like appealing to an idol almost, isn't it? And also, superstition may be not doing things uh, to avoid bad luck, as people say. I worked uh, for fishermen in Yorkshire, and I'll tell you, if ever you go on a fishing boat, never mention the word rabbit. Oh, that is the worst thing you can do. You can talk about furry creatures with, with uh, fluffy tails, but never mention the word rabbit. I'm not sure why, but all of my fishermen, they would not have that word mentioned. And my grandma, I remember, my grandma was terribly superstitious. Never wash on New Year's Day. Have you heard that one? Because you'll wash one in or you'll wash one out. You'll have a birth or a death. Uh, never open an umbrella on, a stair, on the stairs. That's really bad. 
And as for if you break a mirror, well, that's seven years of bad luck coming your way. These are superstitions. They're like idol. They're the, the remnants of idol worship that have come into our culture. You see what I mean? Because we think by doing something or not doing something, you know, we will influence our fate. And it's not true. It's not true. Now, Jesus said this in the, at the end of the parable. Next uh, verse is, he said, this what's happened when you fill your barn with self and not with God. The pursuit of more, greed, is about self. It's about me. It's about what I want. And money, next one, is about things. Why do you have money? Well, you can put money in the bank, but you buy things with it. And a lot of people, they want money, so people will see their wonderful car or their wonderful house or if you're really, really rich, their wonderful yacht, you know, or whatever it might be. Money is about having things, but God, God's not concerned about things. He gives us what we need, but God is a God of relationships. God is love, and you can't exist in love without there being somebody else. Well, you can love yourself. That's a bit pathetic, isn't it? Love is something you do towards other people, and God is love. So God is interested in relationships, whereas money is interested in things, and that's what Jesus said. He talked about Fill in your barn or fill in your life with self, with things, or with God and with relationships. I was challenged by this a number of years ago. I felt I was cheated out of some money in an inheritance. And I was musing on what to do about this. And my, I chatted with my son. And he said to me, well, Dad, he said, I remember what you said to me as a teenager, which in itself was a big surprise because I thought when he was a teenager, he never listened to anything I said. Um, but he was listening. So if you've got teenagers, they are listening to you. They just don't want you to know. Um, so just keep going. <laughs> just keep going. Despite. He said, I remember what you said to me, Dad. He said, you said, don't let money ruin relationships. Put relationships above money. And I thought, wow, that's really wise, isn't it? <laughs> Um, and that really helped me because I realized, okay, I gave up the fight for what I felt was justifiably mine and I accepted it and I did not let the relationship be damaged. Isn't it interesting how often wills and inheritances cause family arguments and divisions? Neil, you're a solicitor. I bet you see it all the time, you know? It's, uh, and Simon as well, yeah, yeah, a, a knowing nod. Um, and it's interesting, this whole parable is in the context of somebody who says, Jesus, I want my share of the inheritance. Sort it out for me. We have friends, a young couple, who were saving to buy a house, and her mother died, and there was a massive family argument about the inheritance. And I was, I was just really impressed because she, <coughs> she actually gave up her rights to what was hers to avoid the family argument, which was pretty impressive. 
Interestingly, just a few years later, they were able to buy a house at a very reduced price. The, uh, the, the old lady who was selling really liked them and they lived in the same, they were renting in the same street. So she knew them and she gave them a really, really good price. Now, I think that wasn't a coincidence. She gave up her rights and God gave, her something, gave them something special. Now, it doesn't always work out as tidily as that. But what I can tell you, if you are generous if you don't insist on your rights with money, you will be blessed. I'm not saying you'll be blessed with a great big income. You'll be blessed, first of all, with a generous spirit. Because actually, God is much... It's, we, we read in that passage, life is not about what you have. It's about who you are inside. And God, in one sense, he's not that bothered about what we have. He gives us enough and... Um, there's a verse that says, if you have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. We don't need a lot of things. But what God is concerned about is our heart. That's what he wants, wants after. And my, fr my friend who gave up her rights, it was like releasing the power of money, allowing her to be generous. And God is a generous God. So when we're generous, it kind of locks into God, you know, enables us to enter into a relationship more deeply with him because we're on the same wavelength as him. And this is really important because also our attitude towards greed, our attitude towards money affects our destiny. Next, next one. God showed up to this man and he said, you fool, tonight you're going to die and your barn full of goods, who gets it? Well, I talked about the pensioner's dream earlier on. This is the pensioner's nightmare <laughs> that you can't enjoy your retirement. You know, interestingly, when I did my pre-retirement course at work, the people I were with were, um, were reasonably well off, so they didn't have money worries. Their big worry was... Will I be healthy enough to enjoy my retirement? That was their big worry. And here's this man. He's set up. Everything's set up. And then God says, right, this is it. Because when we stand before God next, yep, all the money and things that we have will be as nothing. We brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. I'd like to tell you a um, very theologically inaccurate story. Um, so please don't say Mike believes this. <laughs> so, a rich man gets to the gate of heaven. And the angel standing there, or St. Peter, whichever you want, um, depending on your theology, <laughs> uh, says to him, uh, and he's carrying these two big suitcases. And he says to him, I'm sorry, mate. You can't bring anything in here. You've just got to come in yourself. You know, you're, you're lucky to get into heaven as you are. So just, just come in. Oh, no, he says. I mean, I just had so many things when I was on earth. And I just, I just had to bring some of them with me. So the angel sort of scratches his head and says, okay, 
he was quite persuasive, this guy. He said, okay, well, on this, just, just this once, I'll, I'll let you bring these things in. So he says, but you're going to have to open your suitcases and show me what's in them. So he puts his suitcases down, opens in them. And what the man had done, he'd, he'd pulled his wealth together and he'd got these gold ingots. And he's, he'd got these suitcases full of gold ingots. That's why he was kind of quite heavy carrying them. And the angel took one look at them and said, well, what have you brought those for? Paving stones. Because in heaven, the streets are paved with gold. <laughs> and I think, although that's theologically highly dodgy, it's actually very pertinent because what is of great value here will be of no value in heaven. If our focus is on things and on money, it'll all just slip away. But the alternative... Next, is that if our focus is on God and on relationships, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we'll have confidence on the day of judgment. In the world, we're like Jesus. There's going to be a day of judgment. There's, all of us are going to stand before Jesus we talked, sang about how supreme and how great Jesus is now worthy of worship. Every human being is going to have to stand before him. And rich people standing before him saying, well, look, I, did, I had all this money on earth. I was such an important person. People respected me and bowed down to me. He'll go, not really interested in that. Not really important. What he would want to know is, how did you love? What were your relationships like with other people? How did you go? Did you was your life consumed by greed, or did you have that generous spirit that reached out to other people? And even even if you didn't have very much, you were still generous with what you had. All of us are going to have to give account one day, and so it's probably a good idea to start preparing for it now in the attitude we have towards greed and towards money so that we can have confidence on the day of judgment. So God help us to avoid greed, to be focused on God's love, upon us loving, upon our relationships and not on our money and our things. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.